You're listening to Bronnie, the Authentic Jazz Artist Podcast Show with your host, Bronnie McDaniel. Now, live from Nashville, here is your host, Bronnie. Hello, everyone. This is Bronnie, the Authentic Jazz Artist Podcast. I'm so happy to be on here today, and we have an amazing, amazing guest. His name is Lindell Black. We're going to be introducing him right now. Lindell, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing awesome, and I'm so, so happy to have you on here today. Well, I'm honored to be here. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Well, what's been going on in your world? Well, you know, it's um, for people who do what I do, which is basically sit in my home studio and, and write and arrange and compose music all day long, the last couple of years have been pretty busy, you know, um, it's um, with COVID and everything that's gone on, there have been quite a few people that have transitioned to saying, hey, we need to do something electronically or there's artists that are at home and they're, they're like, well, we're home, we might as well make a record, you know, so yes. it's um, it's been a pretty busy two years for me and, and this year is no exception. We're starting out very strong just with several various projects. It's awesome. Awesome. Well, Lindell, this is Tony, and I hope everything's been going good. It's good talking to you again. Yeah, yeah, good to, good to hear from you. Uh, I Just so that our listeners know, you're a film uh, arranger or composer, and, and you do a lot of that. You kind of, you're, you're kind of the background of everything. And uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, some of your work. I know that we've got you listed down for that you've done some work for Dr. Oz. Show. Oprah Winfrey. Oprah Winfrey. What, just tell us a little bit about what that title means and what it is that. What you, all you've been what doing. All, what all you do. Well, you know, it, it's, uh, it's interesting because it, the word, just the idea of being a composer or an arranger um, really encompasses a lot of stuff. There's a lot of things that are involved with that and they're very different from project to project. The the first thing that I really did professionally was uh, with Oprah. I was hired, this was many years ago when she was still on ABC, I was hired as a contract composer uh, for Harpo. Um, and that was a very interesting experience because, I mean, there were at that time, there were probably 30 of us that were writing for this. And essentially, Harpo was building their own music library from which they would pull music for her show, for Dr. Oz, for, you know, just various shows that Harpo was producing. Um, but the challenging thing about it was from week to week, you had no idea if, if your music was going to make it on the air. You were essentially uh, competing with like three other people. Wow. They would say, hey, we need this. We need some music like this for whatever. And so we'd all just start writing. And then come showtime, you'd, you'd see what music that they liked, I guess, you know, and what they chose to use. It's amazing. Uh, yeah. So it was it was a very good uh, training ground, I guess I would say, um, because from week to week, you're, you're just writing a lot of different styles of music, you know. Very competitive. Um, it sounds like very competitive. Yes. And, and it was, you know, it's basically the stuff that, like, uh, when they're introducing a guest, you know, and the people are walking on or walking off or or they've got a little video vignette and stuff like that. So 
it was all what we would call underscore music. And there's an art really just to that in and of itself because you want it to to work, but it needs it needs to be kind of invisible as well, you know. Um, you, you can't make it about the music. So it was a very specific type of writing that was was interesting to me. That's awesome. You know, uh, thinking about it, you know, I guess when you're when when you're asked to uh, to do stuff for like a film, and I know you've done some other films as well. Mm-hmm. Do they just give you a, a hey, this is what I want, and then you've got to go back and create it? Is that how it works? Yeah. Uh, now, for a film, an actual film project, and, and I've done a number of feature length films and and some other stuff. Um, it is a different thing, but it, it can be pretty daunting, um, especially for a feature length. If you're thinking, okay, I'm here's an hour and a half movie that I've got to write music for. The first thing that really happens in that process is just a lot of conversations with the director about mm-hmm. what, what's the vibe, what's the style, the feel of, of, it, yeah. of the film, yeah. you know, and, and what I like to do, and I think what many composers will do is I'll kind of create a template, uh, a, a musical template, uh, in terms of instrumentation and, and, and stuff that will work for that entire film. It's kind of like, this is my sound set. This is what, in general, I'm using yeah. for the film. You're amazing. Um, and then it's just like, you, the next thing is you, you'll have these spotting sessions where you're sitting there, uh, ideally with the director, maybe with some other people, but if you're just going through the film, looking at it scene by scene and talking about where music should come in, where it should go out, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and for me, the most important question I ever ask uh, in those sessions is what should the, what should the audience be feeling right now? Like what, wow. what do you want them to feel? What are they, what's the emotional content of a scene? Because a, a, a musical score within a film, the the biggest purpose of it really is to, heighten the musical experience or the emotional experience for the listener and and the the viewer. Um, You know, you want to tell the same story. So it's exactly, it's a very interesting kind of dynamic as as well. You know, there are moments when there's no dialogue and stuff that you can, the, the music can soar, you can do stuff, but you know, when it comes down to back to dialogue and other things then you have to really, find a way to keep kind of telling the same emotional story without stepping on what people are saying. Yeah. That's, you know, a, so. you're, that's awesome. But it's crazy to sit there and look at it. The first time you're just in any movie, when you're watching a scene and there's no music in it, you know, and you're like, okay, I've got to figure out what is, is going to be the sound of this experience. You know, it can be a fairly daunting kind of task just to get started right and you know uh you everything you've said is just just you know goes back to just verifying that 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 how important music is to films i mean it 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 gives you the emotion it it gets you into the you know it's a scene it it just it complements the scene so much right And, and i i mean to have a gift like that that you have is just amazing because it, wow. you know, I watch films all the time and I can think, man, imagine if that was a different kind of sound. It could have been totally different. Well, it, it, and I appreciate that. I, I'm I'm very just blessed to get to do what I 
love to do. And, and I'm still, I'm still learning every day, just like the rest of us. But um, yeah. it's very, it's interesting though. I'm teaching a, an online composition course for the university of Arkansas right now. And one of the first thing in the very first week that we look at is a, um, I came across a scene, I think it was from Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just kind of a nondescript scene, but somebody took that scene and like put four or five different types of music under the same scene. Wow. And it's really crazy how you, you view the scene differently according to the music. Like it feels completely different according wow. to what the music, it, the music tells the, the audience like what they should feel. Exactly. You know. well, that's a good example of how to, to make your point on that. That's, that's great. Well, um, Lindell, I want to ask you about Kelb Mo. I just love his music, his voice, his, the way things he puts together. And I know you've been a big part of that recently. Can you elaborate on that a little bit for us? Yeah, sure. I, um, I met Kevin really through, um, through Nathan East, um, I had done a couple of records for Nathan East, who's an amazing uh, artist, bass player. He's been Eric Clapton's bass player, I think, for 20 some odd years. And he's a a founding member of a jazz group called Foreplay. And Nate's probably the the most recorded bass player in history, going back all the way to Michael Jackson's Bad to just tons of stuff. But wow, that's uh, awesome. Through Yamaha, I've got hooked up with him and had the opportunity to um, work as an orchestrator on his two solo records. And um, in the process of that, they did a um, kind of a, a documentary of, of the first record, kind of Nathan East behind the scenes kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when they premiered that here in Nashville, Kev Mo came to the, came to the premiere because he's friends with Nathan. And um, afterwards, it, like I remember my first visual of Keb Mo, aside from seeing him sing and stuff like that, was sitting in the theater. And at one point uh, in the thing, he turned around and looked at me and like gave a big thumbs up because of, it was in a Q&A after the film. They were talking about the right. orchestrations or something. And uh, I was like, well, oh, that's pretty cool. But after the film, we talked and he said, man, I love your arrangements. I'd love to do some work with you. And uh, I think maybe three months later, I had the opportunity to uh, do five or six string charts for him. Um, it was actually a live show um, with the symphony here in Nashville that ultimately became part of his live record. I think it was that hot pink album or I don't remember the exact name, but anyway, I had five or six arrangements on that. And since then I've done just numerous um, string arrangements and horn arrangements with Kevin and I just have to say he's, in addition to be a tremendous artist, he's probably the nicest guy I've ever worked with. He's just, um, that, he's very genuine, very humble. He, he just treats everyone great, you know, with respect and, and um, I don't know, it's just, it's always a good experience. And I've, I've learned more about writing for strings and, and arranging and stuff like that from Kevin than just about anything else. Yeah. Uh, because he has a very just unique perspective on how things kind of fit together. 
<clears throat> and yeah. approaches it in a way that maybe I wouldn't have, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the big phrase that I remember the first time we were doing some stuff together, sitting in a studio and um, he was, we were listening back to some stuff and he said this phrase to me. He said, hey, you just got to remember, don't step on the money. And by yeah. that, he's talking about like the lyric and stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> and not a, uh, you know, and he started laughing like it wasn't a, an ego thing, but for a, a, a singer songwriter like Kev Mo, he has a great understanding of the fact that the song is everything. It's telling a story. Yeah. Right? And um, anything that I do as an arranger should complement that, but not not step on words and, and stuff like that. So. Mm-hmm. He would do things like, hey, what would happen if we took this string line and we just scooted it left by one eighth note or something? And all of a sudden it it, it opens up and it sounds great. And so anyway, just little things that I have learned from him over the years that I feel like made me a better writer. Yeah, that's a great reflection on his music. And I tell you what, I had the opportunity to be able to go to one of his concerts a couple of years back with some friends and he is just so awesome he's just got it together well and he's got such a humble attitude too you know his personality is just so meek so sweet but that's amazing all the the things that you have done for him and other artists and i mean you're an award winner i hear well you know i i have been fortunate um and that stuff's always kind of crazy because it's you do work like everybody else, I do it because I love what I do, but I also do it because I, I need to eat, you know, and I've got bills to pay and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. But yeah. For, for the last um, uh, maybe six years, five or six years at least, I've been doing quite a bit of work uh, for Yamaha Entertainment Group. Um, and Chris Giro, who runs that, um, is a great friend, great composer, uh, he he actually produced Nathan's records. And so, you know, he's really responsible for a lot of what I've been able to do. And I'm very grateful for that. But he's done a number of films for Yamaha, uh, like short films and, and also in this past year, a feature length film. Uh, and I've just been very fortunate. He He's the composer on those films, but he brought me in to, to work as an orchestrator and arranger and stuff like that. And it really gave me the opportunity to spend a lot of time in the past five years and standing in front of an orchestra, you know, and, um, but we, I mean, he's won a bunch of, of Emmys here in, in Nashville. Uh, and I was, have been fortunate enough to win two with him. Wow. Uh, That's for awesome. some Yamaha yes. projects. And it's an, it's kind of an interesting deal. Cause you know, Emmys are unlike Grammys, like Grammys, one thing, like, they have the Grammys every year. Right. Emmys, there are multiple, like, you know, there's primetime Emmys, there's daytime Emmy Awards, there's all this stuff. But the yeah, Emmys I think also, there's like, I've, I've seen newscasts uh, talk about how they've won Emmys. In, right. So there's yeah. like so they, many uh, They also categories. have regions, though. Yeah. You know, there's, I don't know how many, maybe five or six regions. Uh, the, the country is divided up into these regions. And so you have an opportunity within those regions to also compete for Emmys. Um, and it's, I am proud of the fact that um, like the two that, that I have won with Chris, I think um, on each one of them, there were probably 
I don't know, maybe 3,000 entries. Wow. In in the area of arranging and composing, you know. So I was very, uh, I was honored to get to to win a couple of those. But well, we're just more than to have you on the show. awards I mean... or anything, it's just been the experience and the learning opportunity that comes from working with with live players, live orchestras right. for years. Well, I know for a firsthand experience, I've heard you play and and you're just phenomenal. You're amazing. Yes, you are. So let oh, me ask know. you these Thank questions. You've worked with all these great uh, individuals and uh, some of your peers. What, what, I mean, do y'all ever bump heads at all or like when you're <clears throat> coming up with something, no, it should be this, no, let's do this. Or do egos get in the way or, or does it, <laughs> I mean, y'all have a little funny, you know, think about it afterwards and say, Hey man, you were right about that. Or, you know, does that go into all that? You know, um, I, I've been pretty fortunate in that regard. I think, um, you know, you'll hear some horror stories about, about some experiences. My, I, mine have been really good. Now I think there, anyone who's artistic, it, there, you have passion about your art. I mean, that's kind of, you know, if you're a creative person, it, what you are creating is a part of you, you know? Um, so it's very hard not to take that personally. When you get, all you need for a disagreement is, is two people sitting in a room, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. And so there have definitely been times when uh, just trying to make decisions about how to approach something, or maybe, I'll give this example. I think the hardest um, or, or the most challenging kind of experiences for me would be like, say I'm working on a big arrangement and like anything else, you know, it's like if you write a song or anything, there's oftentimes a certain part, maybe a certain phrase, a certain little twist or turn of a melody that you just love. And it's like, oh, this is my favorite part of this song. Right. And so when you're sitting in there and maybe it's a string arrangement and I'm like, oh, I just love these eight bars right here. They're my favorite. It, I just, I'm so proud of these. And then the producer is like, you know, this little section right here just isn't working for me. <laughs> like the, that's you're, you're a biting your lip, aren't you? You're like, Ugh. yeah, I mean, that's a challenge, you know, because yeah. you want to be an advocate for, for what you did. But at the end of the day too, you, you I think you have to understand that, Although it feels personal, it you can't take it personally. You yeah. know, it's yeah. You know, I mean, it's not I, like they're saying. I think, that, I think that goes back to just the respect that you have. You know, yeah, what you're doing. You you know, people don't realize being in the music business. You know, being around Bronnie and what she does, uh, and I see what goes behind on behind the scenes. A lot of people don't see all that kind of stuff. They just see the 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 end product and which yeah. is great but they don't see all the hard work like you do and, and she does and you know all the people sure. that, that go to get that put together and it, you yeah. know and when and it's not a it's not a i don't think it's in my opinion it's not a uh a, a bad thing to say that it's okay to talk about your accolades because you deserve it there's a lot of hard work that goes into it and uh yeah. that and that's why we love doing the show and getting people on you on the show like that to help you know, let our listeners, hey, look, look at all the things that go on behind the scenes that people do that, to get this 
just together. And I think it helps helps them appreciate you more. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Lindell, you and I, I mean, we've been knowing each other for a while. You remember the first time we met? Gosh, I, I'm trying to remember. I mean, it's been years. Come on now, catch up. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, it's been a long time ago. I remember... Um, I remember being over at your old your old house. That's right. Like playing some stuff and and working on some music and things like that. And that's, yeah. I don't remember how many years ago that was. Oh, that's it's it's been a while. while. It's, it's been probably. Oh, it's been over five or six years. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's been. Everybody's been busy. I yeah. Mean, we're just everybody yeah. has to stay busy. And then, of course, like you said prior, the COVID put a lot of stuff on hold for a while, <laughs> and then. Then, but then we took some advantage of during that time too to be able to write more, sing more, whatever, do some online stuff, a lot of online stuff actually. But yeah, um, yeah it's been. I mean, it's a pleasure to know you and and Heather. I can't wait to get with you guys soon. But um, another thing is, we need to get together soon one day and come up with something. You and I write something together. You know, yeah. and let you play yeah. the piano. Yeah. I love your music. Yeah, you know, just <laughs> no, quick, I would love to do it. Yeah. Just a little quick question. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you've worked with all these individuals. And, and is there any like funny stories behind the scenes that's happened or anything funny or anything that, that oh, you can gosh. think I brought off? Anything that you can say <laughs> on air? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that uh, as soon as, uh, as soon as we can get the phone, I'll think of 12 stories, you know? <laughs> um, well, I'll tell you one story that actually was amusing. This is as a player. Um, you know, I kind of, I came to town and I got to play with, um, kind of in the country market first mm-hmm. and, um, was playing for one of my favorite singers and a sweet friend of mine, uh, Georgette Jones, who is the daughter of George Jones and Tammy Wynette. Mm-hmm. Um, and then David Brazell and Aaron Tippin and, uh, moved on to at one point I was playing for Lori Morgan. Yeah. And Lori, uh, she was doing a um, uh, like a benefit concert downtown in Nashville. Was that like at the Wild Horse or the yeah mm-hmm. or whatever that is down there? Yes. Um, and uh, so there were a, a number of different artists that were going to be involved, but our band was basically playing for all of them. <laughs> um, and you know, you'd see different these different people kind of come in, and they'd kind of have their entourage, you know, and stuff like that. Well, at one point, Vince Gill walks in because he's going to do a set. And Vince just comes in just, you know, by himself with his guitar on his back, you know. And he's yeah. just like, hey, I hear we're going to play some country music tonight, you know. And and he was just so personable and, and, and sweet. And But during the set, um, here's my, my big confession. And people who know me know this, but maybe... <laughs> the larger group that have seen me play. No, I didn't grow up listening to country music. Like, at all. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I mean, I grew up listening to Chicago and earth, wind and fire and oh, yeah. Billy Joel and blood, That's sweat like and tears. And, yeah. You know, uh, it, not that I didn't like country music. That's just kind of what I listened to, you know? Um, but so I didn't, a lot of older country songs. I didn't necessarily know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so we come out, you know, Vince comes out to do his set and we had talked before about what we're going to do and everything. And, you know, and we had charts for stuff and everything. So we're playing everything. And I, I don't know, we did a, a couple of songs. And then instead of going to the third song, Vince just kind of turned around and said, hey, let's do 
such and such, whatever it was. It was like it was an old George Jones song. I, I, I can only imagine your face. I, oh yeah, it's like I don't remember the song at, at all now, but I can tell you this: I had I had never heard it before. I had no idea. He just called out the name of the song in a key, and everybody else in the band was like, "Oh yeah, that'll be great," you know. So we take off, and you know, fortunately, I mean, most country songs, particularly from you know, if you're looking at songs back in the 60s and 70s in terms of their chord progression and form, you know, they're fairly simple. But yeah, but we did like one verse and one chorus of this song. And I guess we're going to do some like some solos and stuff like that. And anyway, Vince looks at me and says, take it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I mean, I don't know where you want me to take it. I I have no idea (laughs) what I'm supposed to do now. But, you know, if you play enough notes, people feel like it, it works out okay. Yeah, because you're so good. I'm sure you did just that fine. That was kind of a scary moment because I was just trying to. Rem- I just had one shot at hearing the hearing like what the chord progression and structure was to try to go through and solo over the top of it. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! That that's a good story. Yes, that's a good it is. story, yeah. Lindell. Who's some yeah. of your jazz? And I, could tell you, I could also tell you the time about I, I hit a. Uh, a deer with Aaron Tippin's tour bus at three o'clock in the morning in Canada. Oh but, my goodness. <laughs> like oh, for like real. It. Oh my but, goodness. Yeah. But anyway, was it a big deer? <laughs> well, not when I got through with it. But, <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> my goodness. Who's some but of yeah, your I, jazz artists that you love? You know, um, as a player, I, I really, I, I think the first, the first jazz player specifically piano that i ever heard that that just grabbed my attention in a huge way was bill evans mm-hmm. um who was just one of the the greats you know in jazz music yeah um and there was something about his style that i gravitated to and prior to that i had not really listened to a ton of jazz and when i first heard it I, it blew me away you know yeah but um i, I listened to just a ton of the Kind of the the classic like Oscar Peterson, you know, Thelonious Monk, uh, uh, and and also like Miles Davis and yeah. you know just tons of people like that. Um, I really like uh, Dave Grusin's music uh-huh. a lot, which uh-huh. you know he gets kind of a I don't want to say a bad rap, but like he's he's not really strictly jazz or whatever. He's you know he does a lot of film scores does. Mm-hmm. That kind of different stuff, but there's just a a beautiful sensibility about where he takes a song right. that I really love. But um, you know, I'm um, Chick Corea, people like that. I'm actually one of my one of my highest honors ever for me was on Nathan East's second record. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually co-wrote a song with Nate and Chick Corea plays on it. Really? Um, so that was a, um, wow. A, just a musical highlight for me to sit there and listen to mm-hmm. one of the most accomplished jazz pianists and keyboard players in the world like, yes. playing a song that, that I'd written. I mean, it's always a, it's, you know, again, it goes back to just all the hard work that you do and you can see it pays off when you see somebody like that play your music, you know, yeah, uh, it just yeah. it's just something else. But uh well, I can't believe we've already run through our time. 
<laughs> but, yes, uh, but we can't we can't let this be too long before we speak again and get you on the show and see where things are. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely, definitely. And it was such a pleasure to have you on here today. Um, not just a great friend of mine and Tony's, but such a great artist that you are and composer and all the above. So yeah. we are so blessed to have you, and we appreciate you and we will definitely shout at you very soon Lindell Black but one one more thing is there can you give us some links to some stuff too so where yeah, people can go to your your website and other where you might be uh, yeah I mean they can uh, they can they can go to my website which is just lindellblack.com l-e-n-d-e-l-l black.com mm -hmm. um and then, you know, like I've got an Instagram page and a Facebook page. It's really, I'll be honest, it's the thing that I'm, I'm the worst at <laughs> is, is social media and stuff. And, and it's been kind of my goal for 2022 that I've got to up my game at that. Cause I've had people that have told me, said, man, you're, you're kind of a well-kept secret in Nashville. You're doing a lot of high profile stuff, but people don't, yeah. don't know you. you so know? it's so, lindellblack.com. Mm -hmm. And they can yeah. get all your music there and get updates and stuff like that. Yeah, can, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. Well, we want to thank you for being on the show today. And uh, don't be a stranger. You know, let's be let's do this again and let's get let's get the word out on Lindo Black. Yes. All right. All right. Listen, I appreciate it so much. Thanks for having me. You're welcome, and we 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 really welcome you on the show. Again, you're listening to Bronny, the Authentic Jazz Artist Podcast Show, and we'll be right back. Once again, you are listening to Bronny, the Authentic Jazz Artist Podcast. And thank you, Mr. Tony McDaniel, my co-host and a special guest today that we had, Lindell Black. I want to thank my executive label, CEO label, Mr. Quest Cross, that is with 5050 Global Music that are in partnership with Sony Music, Sony Entertainment. The Orchard Publishing. Mm-hmm. Sony Music Publishing. Yes. Art 19, the Burleson Group, which is powered by Amazon. Apple Podcasts, 174 countries. XM Serious Radio. Yes, and the list goes on and on. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Until next time.